As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I'm Josh Giddy, and I'm down to dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hustle, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is Poku, and I'm down to dunk. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cracklin' Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these. I'm going to share with my team, but I'm a hog most of them. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesdays, is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, oh, what's up? Oh, what's up, Andrew? Uh, Chet underwent a successful surgery. So that's good. That's good that that happened. Uh, Performed by Dr. David Porter. Let's get it in Carmel, Carmel, Indiana. Woo! Uh, very successful procedure. Um, so he'll be out for a year, and hopefully yep. he'll be you know yolked and and ready to go for twenty three. You know. Yeah, I hope his uh, upper body gets yoked and his legs stay the exact same. So he's he's like reverse Poku. I want him to come back oh, as reverse Poku. That would be amazing. Yeah, let's go. I'm ready. This was this is all part of the plan. Uh, yeah. yeah, not really. This sucks. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, anything else? I don't think are the RJ Barrett stuff. I don't really have a ton of interest in that. It's more like hypothetical trades that were being squashed. I guess Utah was demanding RJ in trades. I know that's so weird because I didn't know that until after this was announced. Every yeah. every trade proposal up until that announcement did not include R.J. Barrett, which made sense because if you're the Knicks, I mean, wouldn't be the idea be that you'd want to play him with R.J. Barrett? Yeah, I guess. It, yeah, which is probably why they were like, we're going to make it not even a possibility for you and rip him off yeah. the table, which is what they did. Uh, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in the because, you know, the Jazz are in a similar position to OKC a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And we saw what happens when you, like, push it a little too far. 
with in terms of like yeah. having good players on your roster, like it can really affect your draft pick at some point. And the most important thing for the Jazz is whatever their own draft pick is going to be in next year's draft. And if they go into this season, you know, they got they still got Bogdanovich. They still got Mike Conley. Who knows? You know, he, he's kind of been on a little bit of decline. But if they come in this season with Donovan Mitchell, I don't think they're going to be a great team. But they're like, yeah, fine. They're like a play-in caliber team. Yeah, they're like close to 500 team. Perhaps, yes. Yeah. So I, I actually do think there's pressure on Utah. I agree. To get something done relatively soon. And obviously, they still have time. It's only, it's only August, longest offseason ever. Yep. still a full another month before we're even in the month when basketball will be played. So they've got time. <laughs> we're 27 days away from training camp starting. Oh, that's exciting. So let the countdown begin. Um, countdown begin. Let's, uh, let's go into Summers of Sam. Volume 6. Volume 6. We uh, today we are probably only going to do uh, 2018. Definitely. Um, Definitely. Be, we know for certain because 2019 is going to take a long time. Yeah, 2019 is big. And also my mother is flying in today to see her grandbaby for the first time. And I have to pick her up in like an hour. Oh, it's so exciting. Tell Joanna um, hello. Give her a big, give her a big hug for me. A big old hug. Uh, so this uh, so some background. We want to do, set the stage a little bit. And this one, there's a lot to set the stage oh with. <laughs> just, just if, if you, I mean, I'm assuming we're at the point now where everyone listening was of an age where they remember this season. Everyone was alive, right? Everyone was alive. Everyone was in double digits of age. Yes. This team started off 12 and 14. Mm-hmm. And it was not particularly fun or was it or was it or was it so this podcast i believe was in january we had the fun debate this is the and i'm i've put four minutes of it in here i don't know that i'm going to play all four minutes of it however it's hilarious and it is probably one of the l man's best arguments because we're in the middle of the season and there were like high highs and low lows like they beat the Warriors in Oklahoma City. Yeah. And like Mello looked amazing. They beat the Lakers and Clippers in Los Angeles. Um, they had like these moments where you're like, oh my gosh, like this team can do it, you know? And then they had like they lose to the Kings. You're like, what, what's going on? I think there were 50, 30 games in, they were 15 and 15. And that was not what we were expecting. And the question that Luke had was uh, he didn't even have it, he's just stating that things weren't fun. This is my problem with this team. That when they start like this summer, before the season started, the one thing I was like was certain about this season was that this team was going to be fun, and they've been. It, they're no fun to they're, watch. They're no fun. They're no fun. I have no fun watching this this team right now. Well, and I think that's been the problem. Like. The whole team, and that's a big. Uh, that's a problem that is not like an X's and O's thing. That's like a like a aesthetic problem. It, they're just no fun. I think. Yeah, the I reminder is though that this is that's a recency bias yes. conversation. And it's like, easy to say today, but after after those 
LA games. Like those were tremendously fun. And they had a great December, really. The, the they're wins. fourteen and five over December. But like by the time we realized, oh, they're like, oh, they're doing good. This is like it took it took half that time to realize, oh, wait a second. Like we had a podcast like the day before the week before that was like, oh, this is you know, the one it was the one on Anthem where it's like, oh, They've been bad. They've been bad all season. They're bad. And then we realized... Well, they had lost two in a row. I know. But then we realized, like... So, like I think you're just talking time. about winning and losing streaks. No, I'll say this. No, I'm I just agree with th- Luke. The outlier games are the fun games this year. Yeah. Like, well, if, if, if you're watching... If I'm going to watch a game, I, I go... There have even like, been wins that are not fun. There have been wins where it's like, really? That Atlanta game came down to the last second. That should have been a fun game. A last-second game... Uh, it, so with a only, win, our, it's not fun. Are only blowouts wins? No fun. I mean, no. Yeah, there, I how many how many games last year in were losses that were fun? All, oh, so many. Of yeah, them. yeah, yeah. Last I mean, year's such an outlier to me. Though. Okay, it's all about expectations, you guys. Like, yeah, of course, this team is expected to kill these teams, and when they don't, that's not a lot of fun. I I get that. But to say this team hasn't been fun all season is like missing, we didn't say that. is missing didn't the mark. That. I'm saying it. I have not had fun watching. Well, you this don't team. watch been, every game. It's been, it's been stressful <laughs> Thunder, because I don't want to stress out. Thunder Raptors blast. and have no fun. Thunder Rockets <laughs> fun. The Bucks Thunder game was really fun. That was a fun game. Thunder Lakers Thunder Clippers very really fun. fun. You're going through December though right now, which we all agreed was fun. Yeah. No, we did not. No, no we, we did not all agree. Half the, that, the this back, conversation is not about the back. Us. The back half of. Our winning streak, <laughs> I will agree, that was a fun time to watch the team. <laughs> so stupid. This goes on for <laughs> 10 plus minutes. That was only two minutes of it. I get to a point where I said, this is the stupidest conversation we've ever had. And <laughs> just, But this is where we were. And I looked up that Atlanta game that Taylor was referencing. At yeah. the time, the Hawks were 7-25. and 25. And this was their oh, starting wow. lineup. Torian Prince, Marco Bellinelli, Irsan Ilyasova, Kent Bazemore, Miles Plumley. That was their starting lineup. There was no point guard on that mm. team. That There was actually no point guard on that team. DeAndre Bembry was like the closest thing to a point guard. He's not a point guard. That was who they went down to the wire. They won 120 to 117. In yeah, and the... And, and the, and the... I don't know if this is the worst part, but the thing that was annoying was that the players refused to acknowledge anything was like up at all. It was the, refu- the most arrogant team I have maybe ever seen. Period. You just wanted the, you just wanted them to be like a little pissed. Yes. Just like we can't do this. Like yeah. we have to come out no matter who the opponent is. And they never said that. They were always just like, <laughs> we'll be fine. Yeah. The problem was like Russ has this like undying belief in himself and in his ability to do things and thinks that like things are never really wrong. And you can see that now in LA. Like he's willing to let go of that Fouché who he's had for his entire career because he just thinks that that is wrong. Um, and then you have Paul George who we like found out is like not a leader, you know, is like not a, an alpha player. Um, and then you have Mello, who's like similar to to Westbrook and his mentality at the time. And then you just have like a bunch of role players that are just like, we're just here yeah. to support you guys, like Andre, Steven. And then you have like, you know, um, Patrick Patterson, Jeremy Grant, Ray Felton, scared Alex Abrinas, you know, Josh Eustis. 
You know, it's just the mentality of that team was like in hindsight, it's like, oh my gosh, like it was, it was never going to work. But to their credit, they did start turning it on. So I mentioned they started off 12 and 14. They went 18 and six in their next 24 games. And the day that Robertson gets hurt at the end of January, they were 29 and 20. They were the fifth seed. As much as we talk about how that team fell off, they still ended up being the fifth seed going into the playoffs. It so still won forty eight games, and yeah, like we know now that like winning forty eight games is like that's a, that's a, that's not terrible. Yeah, and but there was something off about that team, and, and there was the huge debate in the second half of that season, like how much blame can you really put on this team when they lose someone like Andre Robertson, right? Which w- was both like kind of fair but also the biggest red flag ever that this team hinged that their season success hinged so much on whether Andre Robertson was playing which was like sort of true like oh, they was, fundamentally changed as a team they needed him so bad because of who else was on the court with him yeah the defense fell off a cliff without him and it was and it's kind of terrifying to think about that it could have been like so good and then so bad i mean it's just it's wild and and that was uh, of course we signed Corey Brewer, who we all, oh yeah, or at least at least I got very excited about. He de- definitely had a couple nice games in the regular season. They got you fired up, and then you go into the the uh, playoffs, and you're facing the Utah Jazz. They're starting a rookie, Andrew, a rookie. This will be easy peasy. Oh, okay. See, so wins game one. We're looking great, up one zero. Then we lose three straight. Then you have the 25-point comeback in Game 5. That game was incredible to be at because the whole game, game. you were just feeling so defeated. And I remember this was one of my first experiences with playoff candy. And they, for the media, and it's only the media up in Cloud City for whatever reason. So Mm. the Thunder are back back in the playoffs. I'm moving back up to Cloud City to get my candy. But they have, someone's job is to just refill the candy for the media. They have like buckets of just whatever kind of candy you can imagine. Um, so I switched to hot tamales at halftime, and you know I think that was that was part of what helped us get there. That was definitely part of it. I remember writing like I was tweeting out Kyle Singler fan fiction at halftime because I was like so over the game. It was like this is the end of our season. This is as bad as this season could oh. possibly end, given well, we the expectations a, coming in. We did a podcast after game. What game was that? After game four, maybe? It was probably after game four with uh, Snotty Drippin, I yes, think. Yes, with Snotty Drippin about blowing up the team. Yeah, trading Westbrook. Yeah. That's how that's how miserable we were, that we were doing that before the season was even over. And there were people that were probably thought that was a little reactionary. But I think there were a lot of people who were like, yeah, let's have the conversation because yeah. this is miserable. Oh, I know. Then they make that 25-point comeback. This is the thing about this team. They always give you like just enough to believe that it's possible. Mm-hmm. They always give you just a little morsel to make you think that things yeah. are going to turn out okay. And then they lose game six with Ricky Rubio out, who Westbrook had been feuding with, <laughs> <laughs> on his own, only going one direction. Oh. Rubio not feuding back. No, but- Rubio was like the <laughs> sweetest man possible through the whole series. He was he was not feuding. Westbrook no. definitely was feuding. Yeah. Now... As bad as that series was, there were some obvious fixes, as it feels like there are in every 
Thunder playoff series where we're like, if they could have just done this one thing. And yeah. the thing here was Carmelo doesn't need to be on this team anymore. Carmelo played 32 minutes per game to Jeremy Grant's 22. He shot 38% in the series, 21% from three. He averaged 11 points per game after averaging 16 during the season. Like he was fine yeah. for large stretches of that season. Mm-hmm. He was terrible in the playoffs. And then Patrick Patterson, who we were super excited about at the beginning of the year, he was he turned into like a can't play canter. He barely got he didn't even get 10 minutes per game in that series. That's how he was down the stretch of the season, too, though. It's like they just yeah. stopped playing him. Like they he shot the ball well. Like you look at his stats and you're like, well, why didn't Patterson play more? But they they stopped playing him. And Russ and PG, you know, obviously PG, this is his MVPG year where he gets third and he was very good, but he also, as we would learn soon after this playoff series was dealing with significant injuries, which we knew about it, but we didn't necessarily know how bad he had surgery, like a few days after the season. All we heard about was the forearm tightness. Yeah, that's right. It was forearm tightness. And then he had surgery on at least one shoulder. I can't remember if it was one or both. I think it was both, but there were even hints at the time of the surgery because he was wearing thunder uh, slides. After after his surgery with his crutches on, you're like, oh, there's a sign. Is he going to come back? Yeah. And uh, and so he he kind of gets a lot of hate for this series. But if you go back, I mean, he wasn't good. And plus, his his the closing game was really bad. But like, didn't want the ball, and didn't want the ball. Westbrook. I mean, the stats from that from that last game, game six, are just comical. I mean, do you have those pulled up? I need to. Uh, I'll bring it up as we're, as we're talking. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, it was just, it was a very bad ending to. Okay, I've got you know, it. go back to go back to last week, like the way we were talking about how excited we were oh, that summer. We were so pumped, and so that was as high as we were ever going to get. <laughs> Westbrook averaged a shot a minute in That's this bad. final game. Forty-three shots. That's he, had, real cool. he was four. He had forty-six points to his credit. Forty-six points, ten boards, five assists, two steals. Five assists. That is wild for Westbrook. West or uh, Paul George played forty-five minutes. He was two of sixteen. Yeah, in that game, that. shot twelve percent from the field, zero of six from three, one of two from the free throw line, five points, eight assists, five points, eight Brutal. assists in a closeout game. Adams had 19 and 16. Mello played 25 minutes, scored seven points. I mean, it was just a absolute disaster. Abrinas played 20 minutes in two seconds. Guess how many points he had? One. Zero. <laughs> Zero. Zero points. He was 0 of 3 from the field. He got three shots in 20 minutes. He was he was playing Andre Robertson's role just without the defense. Yeah, I mean, it was bad. Eustace played eight minutes, scored zero points. Eustace, oh, okay. Yeah, Ray Felton played 11 minutes, had three points. I mean, it was just a absolute disaster of a game. Donovan Mitchell in this game had 38 points on 26 shots. Ingles had 12, Gobert had 12. Derek Favors played 38 minutes in this game and had 13 points and eight boards. But it really was just Mitchell being better than Westbrook. And it just seemed like... Something that was absolutely impossible. And so we get to exit interviews. 
And just to give you another example of like where we were, Royce yeah. Young tweets out during exit interviews, Sam Presti tells reporters at exit interviews that Billy Donovan will be the Thunder's coach next season. Mm-hmm. Like he, he felt the need to have to come out to say that because we were thinking like somebody obviously has to pay. <laughs> oh, we were, has to take oh, the I fall remember for that this. day. That, in that room, it was, it was a kind of an, an amazing day like to just be in the room. Because it was just such a disaster. And you had all these stars like coming in and talking. And the one that we were particularly going crazy about was Mello. Because Mello was like, yeah, he said he was not going to sacrifice anything. He was not prepared to sacrifice anything moving forward. Which Presti had to respond to. Like Presti actually responded to in his exit interview. Yeah, because Sam which... is always a few days later. Yeah. Yeah, and he basically said, like, regardless of what Carmelo said, I just want everyone to know that he, like, had both feet in this entire season, was not a problem at all, and, like, did everything we asked of him. Yeah. And then, but but, but basically said, like, obviously, we're going to have to talk, you know, moving forward to decide whether he wants to continue in this role or not, something like that. Yeah, and it, um, and it was very obvious that Melo was not going to be, after that day, it was extremely obvious which was fine, I think, for most of the fans because we felt this entire time like Jeremy Grant is ready. Like this dude needs to be playing starters minutes yeah. every night, well, and we, he actually is a really nice fit potentially with Stephen Adams. Well, we thought that, but at the same time, though, Jeremy played backup center. He yeah. hadn't moved to power forward yet. I remember, but, them, he, had, I remember but he had started when, shooting threes by then. I mean, he he had some, you know. He took four threes in 30 minutes in that final game. You know, so yeah. he wasn't taking a ton. But I remember when they signed Nerlens thinking, oh, these guys kind of play the same position, you know, at the time. It, they, had, yeah. they had to kind of evolve him from – we've talked about this with Baisley. It's like give him a simplified center role and then move him, like expand his role. And when you expand it, he's going to play more power forward. And like Jeremy even plays on the wing, like he played on the wing for Detroit some. Uh, so it's just it's interesting, but yes, Mello had to go, like he absolutely had to go at the time. And little did we know, like he was on his way out of the league, you know, because of just his mentality and because of like the the arrogance that existed within this team was like I don't know. I mean, it's it's the canary in the coal mine for like Westbrook and for, for Mello, you know, in their careers, you know? Yeah, for sure. There was a, it was a funny response. So, uh, Royce tweets that out about Billy Donovan and, uh, at Royale with chief responded, preparing for next year's first round exit. Now good strategy. (laughs) (laughs) They were, they were correct. As you will learn next week. They were correct. And so that, that's little did we know Billy, Billy would survive. All of these guys, you know, he would. And so that like all that is setting the stage for we're now going into the summer where Paul George is a unrestricted free agent. (laughs) Like uh, imagine everything we just said was terrible. Awful. Like we're feeling bad at this point. We're like, we just lost to a rookie Mm -hmm. in the first round with OK3, you know, our big trademarked big three we're so excited about 
And now Paul George is unrestricted free agent. Like we're screwed. Oh, we're screwed. In that podcast, in the fun podcast, I talked about how I th- I thought that Jazz should start, you know, stripping away pieces so that they could get another good player in the draft. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's then then we can blame you. Yeah, you can blame me. That's my fault. So let's let's get the smaller stuff out of the way first, yeah. and then we'll jump into free agency. So one trade that I wanted to mention that did happen was uh, we traded Dakari Johnson and Cash to Orlando for Rodney Purvis, yeah. who then we traded to Boston for Abdul Nader. Hey. Cash had, some, had some nice moments with Abdul Nader. I like Nader. Um, the we'll, Nader we'll pod, that- go back and listen to the Nader interview that I did. It was probably, it's one of my favorite interviews I've done with any player. He was awesome. He- he was he was a cool guy, and he had some he had some legit moments for the Thunder. He did. He could shoot where we, where we believed in him. Yeah. Uh, I'll save the Carmelo trade for the end. Uh, in the draft, we only had two seconds. This is when we got Devon Hall mm-hmm. or Devin Hall Devin. Uh, and Ke- Kevin Herbie. Herbie. And then we also traded uh, Cash in a 2019 second, which became Jalen McDaniel's to Charlotte for Hamadou Diallo. Yeah. Good pick. Yeah, real good pick. Hum's I mean, good. they went one, one of three in the second round in the 50s. I think Hamadou might have been like in the 40s, but that's solid. You know, can't, yeah. can't really get too mad at any of that. I think, I, mean, I, think, I think Hami will be in the league for a long time. So then we get to free agency. And the Paul George free agency, there was basically something every couple of days. Something... <laughs> Some kind of tea leaf that you could look at and decide that this is the most important thing or this doesn't matter at all. And it all started... Tommy was 45, by the way. 45th pick. He was 45, okay. It all started from what I could tell, May 3rd, Paul George is pulling his kid out of Heritage Hall. We we hear these these reports. There are people tweeting about it that, uh, hey, we don't know why he's doing it. But he is pulling his kid out of Heritage Hall. What what else could that mean? Then they must be moving. Also in May, PG's girlfriend posts a picture of a tattoo that says Callie with hearts. Yeah. Okay. So we're, this is what we're reading into. But then the first big thing to shift it our way, Russ and PG go paintballing together and we get the bang bang drop which we would use hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. Bang, bang. Bang, bang. Uh, over the next month. And it was just Russ and PG just hanging out together, you know, having yeah. a good time. And uh, but, but it made you feel good because it was like, okay, well, I mean, maybe he's leaving, but at least they're friends, so we have a chance. They don't hate each other. <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> then on June 6th, Woj tweeted out that PG and LeBron will meet to discuss teaming up. And remember everything we said last week, like PG, when he was on Indiana, his camp was telling other teams, this is a one-year rental. I'm going to LA the next year. Yeah. So when you hear this report from Woj, no one is surprised. And in fact, it just seems like fate accompli. Like this is going to happen no matter what. There's nothing you can do to stop it. He's been going there for the last two seasons. Uh And we finally reached that point. And it's over. Oh, yeah. Do you remember, like, is that how you felt at that time? Um, I Because I can't remember how I actually felt. In so leading of- up to free agency, I started to become very positive that he was coming back 
to Oklahoma City. Yeah. I think there were times that maybe I didn't feel that way, but the and I listened back to the podcast just to like making sure that I'm remembering correctly, but I was like outrageously positive that he was coming back to Oklahoma City in the podcast huh. before the free agency show. That like before. Oh, oh, before the free agency show, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because then we start getting like just a string of good news. Yeah. So June 12th, Mark Stein reported there is a growing belief around the league that Oklahoma City has a far better chance to retain the free agent to be Paul George than many believed when the Thunder crashed out of the first round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Sam Amick on two weeks later, June 23rd, OKC has all sorts of optimism about PG returning to OKC. More importantly, there's pessimism from the LeBron camp that he's leaving the thunder yeah even as this is happening i'm still feeling like still guarding your heart yeah like why is why is he coming <laughs> well, back does like, he not remember what happened we also and also also we had he heard all the po- LA? well we had also heard all of the positive things about kevin leading up to his free agency too before he left for the hamptons you know yeah true and so like our we had already we were a broken a broken people you know going into the situation where it's like, yeah, that's cool. Don't believe it. I don't really believe it until I see it kind of thing. And then on June 27th, ESPN releases releases part one of my journey. Yep. So this was the, so this is one of the first things that you see in this video. I'm not going to play the whole thing. They're, they're very interesting. You should go watch them. But like, this is one of the, the first scenes that you see in this, in this like mini doc. How you doing? Good seeing you. Good. Doing good. Real good. I like the whole dog. Represent. Represent. So, like, one of the first people you see. So, if you're listening to this, just podcast only. So, Paul George walks into the gym, and it's Presty and Rob Palenka standing next to each other, just having a laugh, laughing about something. And then, and then you see Magic Johnson, who at the time was involved with the Lakers and yeah. like going on Jimmy Kimmel and winking and doing all that, you know, wacky stuff. Uh, and then you see Paul George, like going in, like dapping up his agent, but it's <laughs> just like seeing Presty in that video. Like that was, I did not expect that, you know, from the start it was like, Oh my gosh. Like what is like Sam, Sam, Sam is in this little mini doc. What's going on here? Well, especially when they started doing like the individual interviews and you realize that Presty is like part of this doc. Yeah. Which I, it did, it should have been a major red flag. I remember at the time thinking it was really cool and feeling like, oh, this is positive. But in retrospect, like he obviously was coming back. Like there's no way, not only does Sam Presty not do that documentary if he's not 100% confident. To like go on and say the thing about scared money don't make none. Well, here it is. I'm going like, to show it real quick. I've got it. Okay. I'm a big Tribe Called Quest fan. There's a line that that basically says, scared money don't make none. And I think that's the case. We wouldn't have traded for Paul George if we didn't believe in our community, our organizational values, our ownership. If you expect Paul George or any player to have any confidence in you as an organization, you have to demonstrate it yourself. Scared money don't make none. 
Yeah. Like, dude, if, <laughs> if Paul George had left, that would have been a meme like yes. forever. I said that on the podcast before free agency started. It was like, there's no way Sam agrees to do this unless he knows that he's coming back. Because, yes, if, if Scared Money Don't Make None would, would have – because what would have happened is – Everything that happened a year, you know, later, except for you don't right. get everything in the PG trade, you just lose him, and then you have to trade Westbrook, and then you trade Schroeder and Adams and everybody, and you tear down. But then you are missing Shea and all these picks, which like you don't get Shea, you don't get Trey Mann, you don't get J Dub, like all that's gone, you know. Yeah, and. Scared money don't make none would be the reason. Like everybody would just like throw that out there as to why, you know. It would have been. It would. I mean, on the one hand, you could say like, well, it benefits him to like put this out there just as kind of a marketing for the organization. Yeah. Like, but, but if they can't not keep really... the guy that they've had for a whole year, you know, for a year to pitch, you know, because that's what he had. Is he had a year long free agency pitch? Yeah. Know, from the Thunder, and if he just says no, and you go on national television saying scared money don't make none it's like oh my gosh and also i mean what made this so unique is that like this was just again so out of character for oklahoma city like Mm -hmm. sam Presti doesn't do any media stuff like he did the Woj pod that one time yes (laughs) And, and like that was it and so for him to willingly agree to be a part of this documentary about something that we didn't know the outcome to right. at the time was just very out of character for yeah. him. Yeah. All, all of it should have been a giant red flashing sign like PG's coming back. Yes. Don't worry about it at all. But the problem is Kevin. Kevin had broken us. We were broken people trying to follow our team. And we couldn't let ourselves believe that something that great would happen, <laughs> especially after how horrible the season ended, you know? I yeah, think exactly. Yeah, it. it's so funny listening to Pressy talk and, like, how great the organization is and <laughs> remembering everything we just went through as, like, man, a lot of bad stuff happened. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, you're making us sound pretty great, <sighs> but we just came off somewhat a really rough season. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, so... That night of free agency, they f- they had this giant party out. I think it was near Arcadia. Well, I was going to say because the that party. So even after this is airing, we're I still remember being unsure, and only getting it confirmed when I started hearing about the party, which mm-hmm. like Luke knew about mm-hmm. the party, mm-hmm. didn't bring it up on the pod. His one chance. To have he had his news. shot. He had his shot. You know, and he and he didn't. He knew about the party, and other people around OKC knew about the party. Mm-hmm. And and so then, yeah. So then we finally get to the night, and it turns out the party is true. Yeah, and Nas is there. And Nas is there for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> so here's a here's this clip of Paul George addressing the uh, this crowd in OKC. If y'all if y'all didn't quite get it. Let me say it again, I'm here to stay. I'm here to stay. He's here to stay for a year. year. <laughs> uh, 
that that was cool though. I'm sure that was a very cool moment for Russ. Oh. It, it was definitely validation. Like you could see how excited Russ was. Oh yeah, it, man. It, it was because the narrative about around Russ is like no one wants to play with Russell Westbrook. Right, right, right. And I would say it was huge validation for Thunder fans because oh, it yeah. was. I mean, if you count it as a free agent, which he was a free agent, it is definitely like far and away, far and away the biggest free agent signing in Thunder history. Yeah. And to be to not to to have that in the setting of your competitors are like the Lakers mm-hmm. and to and to beat the Lakers. Yeah. Now, of course, who are about to get LeBron, who are about to get LeBron. Yeah, it was it was a huge validating moment for mm-hmm. everyone associated with like the club mm-hmm. or with the organization <laughs> reverting into soccer talk. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was it was a huge moment. And you find out the same night that we're signing Jeremy Grant to a three-year, $27 million contract. What a yeah. deal that was. That was a great deal. That was three years, $27 deal. Million. Yeah. So now you feel like, this is perfect. Like, we we, we did everything. Like, We've done we, it. We did what we needed to do. Like, Melo's probably not going to be back. Yep. We have locked up Jeremy Grant. We locked up Paul George. Now we can finally see this team because because Melo was the problem, Andrew. Yeah. Now we got Melo off the team. Now it's going to be smooth sailing to the finals. It's, yeah, and you know Paul has had this surgery, so he's not going to be hurt. You know, it felt like okay, we can, we can at least get back to the Western Conference Finals, and like this is gonna this is gonna be a great great season. It's going to be incredible. I can't believe this happened. It was. I also talked a lot about like, oh, we finally have like stability in our fran- in the, with the franchise because you had, you know, the 2016 was like a stressful year because it was like. KD is about to be unrestricted free agent. Like, what's going to happen? And then you have Westbrook, you know, his MVP year. But, like, your team isn't good. Like, they weren't a good team. Like, they were fine. And then you have this past year, which we discussed at length already, which was just disastrous and also stressful because you're like, Paul George is going to leave. He's definitely going to leave this team. This team sucks. Uh, Yeah. It felt like they finally had stability. Um, Brian Windhorst had a, a moment on the jump during uh, free agency, like right after Paul George signed. This was pretty good. So it's a three-year plus one, but this is, I mean, congratulations to the Thunder. Congratulations to Sam yeah. Presti. Congratulations to Russell Westbrook. I am stunned he took this deal of, yeah. of like this because if he wasn't going to take the, f- again, he walked away. You from thought this two- was going to be a one and one Yeah. He, this is not a one and one This is a 3 and one He walked away from $220 million in, in yeah. Indiana to have the chance to go to L.A. He didn't even meet give with the them. a meeting. He didn't even meet and, with and, them. And, and the thing about it was is if you're going to take a multi-year deal, yeah. you'd want to take a two-year deal. Because if he took a two-year deal, Rach, he could get to 10 years uh, service right. time mm-hmm. and then come back on the market and get a big raise. Taking a three-year deal, this is basically him giving a giant hug to Oklahoma City. Uh, mm-hmm. I, this, I am stunned. I am as stunned by this contract as I was stunned that the Thunder... In fact, I almost will tell you. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you that this is, a bigger, this is a bigger accomplishment for the Thunder yeah. than trading for him. Because, yeah. because they, he didn't have control over the trade. Right. He had control over what side of what his contract was. And to agree with this contract, he obviously agreed to it several days ago. Right. <laughs> but he, he had a long time to think yeah. about this. The Thunder had a good year, but it wasn't like they're on the cusp of a championship. No, they lost in the first lost round. In the first and, round exactly. and by the way, I want to point something else out. 
And then, and then all Wolves Woj, who's breaking every story tonight, Jeremy Grant has also agreed to come back. Yes. And while that's not going to break the internet, um, with Jeremy Grant's contract and this contract, if they keep Paul George, we're looking at a three hundred no, you, ten you, million no, no. dollar, <laughs> including luxury tax payroll here. I am blown away that Paul George takes this contract. <laughs> you mean mellow, though. <laughs> mellow, I feel I'm like sorry. your face is just going to be I a know, gift everywhere. Brian That's made it into a puddle I've never, I've never seen Brian's face look like that. I'm, I'm kind of enjoying it. So that was like the sentiment on like Twitter. Everybody was just blown away that this happened. And a lot of the talk nationally, too, was about the luxury tax and about how much this team was going to cost. Uh and they paid a lot of money for a team that on paper looked great, but because they would go on to add players, you know, like a New Orleans Noel to this team. Yeah. Um, the team on paper looked like incredible, you know, like, Oh gosh, like, yeah, this team is definitely getting out of round one. Uh, and we all know how that and, turned and out. On, and on the contract, like that was something they discussed in the documentary, the mini doc. Yeah. He was there was like a scene with uh, Aaron Mintz, and they're like going through all the different contract options. Yep. And it's true, like no one was expecting a three plus one. I remember when Michele Barra on the the pod, like after it was announced, yeah, like just just shocked. Oh yeah, because it did it didn't make any sense. Yeah, like why wasn't it a two plus one? Like yeah, it, and I still don't know. <laughs> why he did a three plus one not a two plus one it would have still helped okc like either way we're good it probably i mean it honestly made him more valuable to the clippers or whoever traded for him i mean it ended up being an awesome thing for the thunder i don't know how they convinced him to do it just because like the the reason that you'd want a two plus one rather than three plus one is that that would get him to 10 years of experience which gets you like to a higher level of contract yeah and to go to eleven, there's just like no point <laughs> in it. It like it, wasn't. It, it like didn't make sense. It was awesome for the Thunder because it if it, it eventually gave them more leverage. Because if he's on a two plus one, then the Thunder have more pressure at the time that they trade him. It's like he's got a year left. What are you gonna do? You know, he had right. two years left. And then it was like, hey, we'll just keep him. You got you, you know Clippers. You don't have to have him. You know we'll we'll just keep him. They're under contract. We will ride this out. We will bring in Alec Burks and we will ride this out. You know, but getting that that year, you know, was actually like very important to the Thunder having like the extreme leverage that they did in that Clippers negotiation to where they could get everything. And we'll talk a lot more about that next week, but. Um, yeah, and of course the question is always like, would Kawhi have gone to the Clippers without Paul George? Yeah, Be- because they oh, could no. have sold him on the idea of like, just come here for a year. Paul George is going to be unrestricted free agent next summer because he can opt out if if it was a two plus one. Yeah, and then we can just get him there. I don't know if Kawhi would have been open to that or not, but yeah, yeah, making it a three plus one. And honestly, the three plus one, I brush these conspiracy theories off, but like looking back. I, I do sometimes wonder, like, and this was obviously like brought up by Bill Simmons, the idea that Paul George was so open about wanting to go to the Lakers, mm-hmm. going back all the way to the days of Indiana. And this was before, this was right around the time when like tampering was becoming 
like a huge national story. Yeah. Like you mentioned Magic Johnson on Jimmy Kimmel, mm-hmm. like winking at the camera. And uh, and he always just threw out the idea because it, it, it didn't make sense. And he wondered, like, did the league tell him, like, you can't go to L.A. because of all of this? Like you have to do something else until then. <laughs> I don't know if I if I actually think that's true. Obviously, I don't care either way. It worked out for OKC. I'll I'll take whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, it is. I I do still find that whole situation very strange. He must have just really liked Russ. Bang bang because bang bang. He that's did. like the best case you could make. It wasn't that the team was amazing. Like they mentioned it. It wasn't like this team was on the cusp of a championship. They lost no. in the first round. No, he's not in a glamor market, which he had wanted to be in. So like, what else could it be other than Russ? Yeah. Maybe he, I mean, maybe he liked Billy. He did like to fish and, and we do have some, some great fishing holes, Andrew in Oklahoma. Yeah. It, um, overall, when you paint the whole picture, it's weird, especially after like what happened with Kevin, where it was like they just went to the Western Conference Finals. They were in Game Seven right. of the West yeah, Finals, yeah, yeah. and th- then he leaves. Like it made you crazy. If Paul George would have left, one Paul George didn't choose to come to Oklahoma City. The Thunder right. traded for him. I don't think that Thunder fans would have like even begrudged Paul if he went to the Lakers because it was like, yeah, I would leave this situation too. This situation sucked. Like that team oh, I mean, was supposed to be good, and they were ter- like couldn't beat the Utah Jazz, who were a team that had just lost Gordon Hayward, that brought in a rookie who became their best player. I mean, it is wild to think about like all these circumstances that came together for the Thunder to for it all to just like everything went wrong, like everything went wrong, and so. Now we're at a point in the summer where we've got our guys. You mentioned Nerlens Noel. They brought him in yep. as, a, as a free agent, helped him rebuild his career, eventually got a decent deal with the Knicks, obviously turned down that huge deal originally with the Mavs. Right. Uh, they also brought in Deontay Burton, one of your favorites. Hey, Deontay was so much fun in that summer league. He and Diallo, Deontay and Diallo. That was like That was a really fun summer league team. And I believe he came in, all we knew about him was he was like the South Korean League MVP or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And played at Iowa State. He he looked like a Lego man. He was awesome. Oh, yeah. He he was on those weird uh, Iowa State teams that randomly had like a ton of Well, NBA Nader players. was on that team. Uh, who was the, the mini, other guy? The uh, was Royce White? No, Royce White wasn't on that team. The minivan guy in uh, for the Sixers. They call him the minivan. minivan guy. They call him the minivan. They call him the minivan. Gosh, I'm feeling so uh, dumb right now. Monty Morris. Yeah, Monty Morris. George George Niang. George Niang is the is the minivan. Okay, Matt Thomas. Yeah, yeah. Was on some of those teams. Yeah. Uh, then Deontay Burton the next year. Well, that's yeah for a random Iowa State team that was you know 23 and 12 yeah, solid, but they were fifth good. in the Big 12. They had six guys who ended up playing in the NBA. I know it's bizarre. Deontay's still around OKC. You know, you may you may see him around. Tell him what's up. Um, we love him. But yeah, we we like Deontay a lot. And then they brought back Raymond Felton. We were perfectly I don't know if we were thrilled uh, with Raymond Felton, but we, we were, were not. It was we fine. Not, we were not thrilled with Ray, but it was like, okay, whatever. Come on back, thick daddy Ray. Let's run this back. Let's run it back, baby. And so at this point, the only thing left 
to figure out was how screwed are we going to be with Carmelo? <laughs> because as everyone who was listening at the time knows, the big conversation was, do you want to attach picks to get rid of him? Or do you want to wave and stretch? Oh, uh, wave and stretch. God, the wave and stretch conversation just blew me away. By the way, Raven Felton only played like 300 minutes in that next season. So that I, next just, season. He just didn't play. So it was more of a legacy contract. Definitely. Bring it back for legacy night. He was, he was 34. <laughs> yeah, it's like, whatever. Um, yeah, because, I, in fact, I was going back and reading, and people thought that OKC was going to have to give up a lot of, like, multiple picks to get yeah. off of Carmelo's deal. Yeah. Which in retrospect, I mean, it was a, it was an expiring deal. Yes. I think it was like 27 million or whatever. Um, but it, I mean, you look at like Westbrook now, I mean, that's like a $49 million expiring deal. And they're maybe going to have to give up two picks at most. People were thinking that for Carmelo back at the time, which was probably an overreaction. Of course, the dunked on guys, they really wanted wave and stretch. And even after the trade, really wanted wave and stretch. (laughs) So the final deal, we Uh, finally, it comes through and it is Carmelo. And we're giving up a lottery protected 2022 first, which is the Chet pick, which did not convey to Atlanta for Dennis Schroeder and TLC, Timothy Luwawu Cabarro and uh, Mike Muscala also in that deal. Involved in the deal, not coming to OKC. It's a three-team deal. So three-team T- deal. TLC played for the Sixers. Yes, and they ended up swapping Mike for TLC. Yeah. So Mike was not yet ready to begin his uh, his final chapter in his NBA career, where he is a Thunder forever. Uh, but he was involved in the deal. We could have had him then. I know it's kind of and you know what to he, think about. He would have helped probably. Uh. I don't know if he would have played on that team. I mean, he if they're if they're going to sign Nerlens, no, he probably wouldn't have played. But yeah, it would have been nice to have a little bit more shooting. Yeah, because remember they oh. ended up bringing on Markeith Morris to that team. They still had two packs. Oh my gosh, dude! Yeah. Speaking of Markeith Morris, I was listening to the Glue Guys yesterday. Yeah, having a conversation in 2022 about Markeith Morris and whether they should be excited that the Nets signed him. I was like, damn, we did that back in 2018. We did that four years ago oh, and we're disappointed. We yeah. And there's still fan bases having to do that in 2022. I remember how pumped I was for Markeith. Well, we were saying at the time, if you don't count Paul George, this might be our biggest free agent signing. <laughs> we said that about a lot of guys. Yeah. We said that about a lot of guys. To this day, uh, I would still say that Nerlens Noel is like the best free agent they ever signed off of like probably out of free agent like paul george obviously was a free agent but also he was on the team so i'm not really counting that one and carmelo was technically a free agent because he had to waive his no trade clause but he he wasn't really a free agent. yeah 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 it's either noel or anthony morrow yeah i still think it's nerland's just just getting a guy like that who was like highly touted could have made a lot of money, decided like what's best for his career is to come to Oklahoma City and be a backup center to Steven Adams. It's like I don't know how they yeah. just, I don't know how they pitched that one. Like it, it ended up working out really well. And like in hindsight, like you could have played Nerlens and even traded Steven earlier, you know, for somebody. Yeah. And it could have worked out even better. But 
know. Yeah, he basically had to do two years of prove it deals with OKC another, before he got he his. Another, yeah, he signed another deal yeah. with the Thunder, which was astonishing. So we get Dennis Schroeder. Yeah. And I remember being positive about the deal simply because I, I don't know if I was resigned to wave and stretch, but I was resigned to the idea that we're not going to get back a usable player. Right. And I, so I remember thinking about. Um, Jeremy Lin was like a guy that I was like, if we could just get Jeremy Lin from the Nets. Was this, was this post-Pateller rupture for him? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so we could just get that guy. Yeah. Yeah, so like pretty awesome deal in retrospect. You don't give up a first. Yeah. All it, all it did was cost them money because they right. had to take back this future money with Dennis Schroeder. But like you get off Carmelo, Carmelo instantly gets bought out and he eventually signs with the Rockets, I think plays like 15 games maybe, and then yeah. that gets all weird. And then he's out of the league and then he comes back with the Trailblazers. But for OKC, getting Schroeder in that deal and knowing what he would do the following season with the Chris Paul team and with Shea, who they would then flip into a first-round pick yeah, that, that they would actually get because yep. – Atlanta did not get a pick. Mm-hmm. Pretty pretty good deal, considering the circumstances. Yeah, and it just goes to show when you are competitive, and the Thunder will eventually be competitive, I promise. It goes to show like how much like maintaining the asset and maintaining a salary, how important maintaining a salary slot is to adding talent to your team. So like, yeah. you can trace it all the way back to Reggie. So Reggie, obviously a very terrible situation. Like a lot of people are just like just just trade them for a guy on an expiring and a pick and like just be done with it. Well, if they did if they did that, they wouldn't have gotten Ennis. So they got Ennis Canner. A lot of people are like don't re-sign Ennis Canner, don't do that. That's a terrible deal. They end up re-signing Ennis, using Ennis's contract to get Mello, and then using Mello to get Schroeder. And they just kind of like cycled through these guys. And it's not not like they like struck gold with any of these guys, but it's just about if if they just let Ennis go you don't have any way to upgrade your roster because you're already over the tax. And so it's just really important, especially in team building, whenever you get to this level to maintain the asset. And like Sam is, is really good at that. Like did a really good job because if you get all the way, like Schroeder was, was good for them this year. He was really good for them the following year too. Uh, He was, I mean, a really nice player that they basically got just for cash, like you said. Like, they just had to spend the money on him. Well, and the crazy thing is that they get a first for him. Fast forward a year, and he is only able to get, like, $5 million from the Celtics and now isn't signed with anyone. I know. Like, could be out of the league, which would be be kind of surprising. I think he'll probably end up somewhere, but... Yeah, it's kind that's of pretty wild how quick that turned for him, and and to know that he could have taken, I think it was like a four year, eighty million dollar or four year hundred. I can't remember how big it was that the Lakers offered him. Yeah, it's wild because two like three years prior with the Thunder, he was averaging eighteen, four and four, on a playoff team. On a playoff team, shooting 38% from three. And that was like the outlier, was that he shot 38% from three on five attempts per game. It's like, oh my gosh, like this guy's awesome. He's <laughs> a great player. <laughs> What's going on here? Dennis Schroeder, he's awesome. And he was only, I mean, Dennis Schroeder isn't even 30 yet. You know, it's not, like, it's not like he's over the hill or anything. Like he's, man, he's a good player. He's a hell of a player. 
He's a hell of a player. That's something he would always say. Um, okay. Anything else before we give our grades? Um, I think that was about it. I mean, another... I mean, this is now two years in a row where the offseason was substantially better than the on-court basketball. Oh, yeah. We were... Even to the point where, like, is TLC going to start? Is TLC better than than Ferguson? You know, could TLC Possible. come in and still, still probably the answer is probably yes to that question. But can like, can TLC like, can we like, yeah, he shot and he's and he's just a throw in, he's just a throw to the deal. He he shot twenty two percent from three. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, the whole summer just again, it was similar to the summer before. It was like, oh great, this team is stable. Like this is a rock solid playoff team, you know. Yeah. And we just didn't, you know, I think Westbrook did such a good job in those years after Kevin that just we refused to see the warts in his game, you know? Like we had blinders on for Westbrook. Like he oh, he's incredible. He's He's, you know, look what all he's done. Like, obviously, Paul stays because of him. Like, this is, I mean, you, we couldn't criticize Westbrook. And, you know, there are probably a lot of reasons to criticize Westbrook at the time. But, you know, and even to this day, there's a lot of Thunder fans that are, like, unwilling to criticize him just because of, like, I don't know. I mean, like, there's no there's no stand like a Westbrook stand, man. Like, it's, it's similar to, like, Kobe. You know, Kobe drug that Lakers team into the mud as he was ending his career, you know, just because his yeah. contract was so big and like, really you weren't going to win if you played with them. So nobody played with them. And Westbrook is, he would, if they kept Westbrook, it would have been a similar situation. Just like this, like slow, just crash and burn, you know? Um, yeah. It, it would have gotten ugly at some point. I mean, I, I do wonder you know, what if Paul George does go to the Lakers this summer and they do and they are forced to trade Westbrook? You know, what is his trade value like at that point? Because the following summer, the the reason that happened was because of this like very perfect storm of what was going on in Houston with yep. James Harden and CP3 not getting along, that team flaming out for another year in a row and feeling like they needed some type of big change. And it all just kind of worked out for OKC. I wonder who would have been the suitors in 2018 because Russ was still coming off a very good season at that point, as as he was the following season. But, I mean, he was still firmly in his prime Mm -hmm. in 2018. I I actually don't even know if they would have gotten as much back. Yeah, maybe not. If they they had traded him that summer. Sam Land and we we got to save it for next week. But Sam landed. This is like a great preview for next week. Sam landed in like the perfect spot to restart this team to hit the reset button. Like every like it was like the stars aligned for the perfect rebuild to happen. You know, it was. It was. And I don't. It's hard to. It's hard to think about it today because like I still get man. I get stuff on twitter every single day about like how this rebuild is stupid or whatever and it's like you don't see like how incredible what they're doing is and what they're able to do is and maybe when we get to the summer of 23 24 you'll finally get it it'll finally click in your head what they're trying to do but they're able to do this because they got this jumping off point that is unprecedented 
you know, like this is why like other teams aren't like the Thunder, the Thunder turnaround could happen pretty fast. And right now it feels like such a bummer because Chet's out for the season and it's uncertain what they're going to look like. And they're probably not going to have a winning season this year. And that really stinks or whatever, but things could start to turn pretty quick for this team. And it's a lot of it is just because of like the assets they're able to acquire in the summer of 2019. And we'll talk about that in, in great detail next week. Um, Thanks so much for listening to the show. Well, we, we, oh, we did oh, great. Grades. grades. What's what's your grade? I mean, a a a plus. Yeah, I think you have to go a plus. <laughs> you got to go. You got to give it the plus. They brought back I'm Paul tra- George. They traded Mello for what ended up just being Dennis Schroeder, which has ended up being a positive player for the team. They got Nerlens Noel to sign as a free agent. Resign Jeremy Grant. Resign Jeremy Grant. Deal. Yes. There's honestly not a. I'm looking for because. Even last year, which we gave A plus, there was like one thing that was bad. But this year, like even the draft, like you got Hamadou Diallo in the draft. Yeah, Yeah, Hamadou Diallo. Yeah, you got Hami at forty five, who is a player in the league, got a second contract. I mean, I just don't know that they could have done better. I, I obviously this this particular team was just doomed to not be good, but they did everything possible to get you know, a good team. Like they did everything possible. I don't think there was anything that I would say, you know what, they should have done this better. I mean, I guess the only thing is like, just take Mike instead of TLC, but I honestly don't think Mike would have played for them. Yeah. He, he, he may not have. And so next week, you know, another very exciting off season very following exciting. up a very disappointing end to a regular season, probably the most disappointing. I don't know. It's, it's up to everyone's, personal interpretation we've had a lot of I mean, heartbreak at the end of, of, season, of the so post KD era next week's blazer series was definitely a low point for me personally it was shocking it was shocking how like how it wasn't even close like it wasn't even like because at least with the jazz series you got the 25 point comeback rubio's out oh if they win game six maybe there'll be game seven the blazer series it was like this is almost over from the jump. It was this jarring. team. This team is like done. Yeah, it's, we'll we'll talk we'll talk about the dream scenario next week. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> oh, yeah, gosh. the dream scenario. But yeah, a plus. Uh, thanks so much for listening to our show. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you guys again on Friday.